Baby Boomer Tales. Hi, this is Jim. Thank you for riding along today. You can find us at babyboomertales.com. Once you've arrived at our website, there are links to listen to our podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, YouTube, and other places. It's October amazing, isn't it? It's just amazing that it's October. Long, hot summer is over. We went through quite a spell without much rain at all there at the end of summer. And it's just been actually an okay year. It's been an okay year. One thing I'm amazed at is grandchildren. Each and every one of them are different from the others. They all have their own personality and they all have their own bent on life. I enjoy being around them. I really do. Well, I've got this one grand. The other day, asked me a question. Just this most serious look in his, in his eyes. I've ever seen him. And he said, Papa, if there was an old man and a baby standing in the middle of the road and you were coming down the highway really fast, which one would you hit if you had no choice? And I thought, and I don't want to hit a baby. That's fact. I guess the old duffers live more years. I don't know. I guess the old guy, the old grandson, just looked at me and shook his head and said, Papa, you hit the brakes. When we were on vacation in August, we were approaching Colorado Springs as we drove into Colorado and I was driving towards my daughter's house. And before we got to Colorado Springs, it had been a two-lane road, and all of a sudden it was kind of going to three lanes with passing lanes and back to two lanes. And we started going up this hill and said passing lane for the next quarter of a mile. And I was following a car, a little gray car, that was following a big old semi-truck, big old long trailer there. And going up the hill, the semi slowed way down like they do. And I was right behind that gray car, and the gray car whipped over into the passing lane, was going up that passing lane really fast. I was right behind him, knowing we had to get around that truck. And all of a sudden, that gray car just stopped in the middle of the road and then let the truck go by him, and then he cozied in behind the truck again. Well, here I was kind of stuck there, so I goose it and stepped on the gas and got around that truck lickety-split. I was going much faster than I normally go on situations like that, but I got around him and immediately a cop was behind me with his lights. So I pulled over and the cop came up to my door and I told my wife, get the registration and the insurance out so I can show them. And he greeted me and he asked me if I knew I was going quite fast. I said, I knew I was going quite fast. And so he said, why were you going so fast? And so I told him the story of falling that car and how that car stopped halfway past in the truck and cozy back around the truck. And I said, he must have had a fuzz buster the way he did that because he just stopped in the road and then let that truck. So I had no choice. I had to goose it and go as fast as I could get around that truck before the passing lane ended. Cop looks at me, looks kind of in the car over at my wife, and he, he addresses my wife and said, Why are you laughing, ma'am? And good old Kim said something like to the effect of, You should never just ask him. He'll tell you every detail of the situation. So <laughs> the cop looked at me, 
took my driver's license and my registration and my proof of insurance and said, I'll be back in a few minutes. Went back to his car. I know he radioed it in to make sure I wasn't on 10 most wanted and didn't steal my car and that I indeed did keep my insurance and tags correct. All that stuff, you know. He came back smiling real big and stuff. And I thought, man, I wonder how big this ticket's going to be. He said, I'm just going to give you a verbal warning. Where are you going in such a hurry anyway? I told him we're going to go see my daughter. And he said, well, have a nice time. Try not to speed anymore. And my wife made sure I can go one mile an hour over the speed limit the rest of the way to my daughter's house. That cop was a good guy. He understood my situation. He wasn't out to give me a ticket. You're just trying to keep everyone and everything safe. I really appreciated that guy. I wanted to write him and tell him, you know, how I appreciate it. But I thought, he gave me his card, his business card. And I thought, well, I don't want to get him in trouble just giving me a verbal warning like that. So I just let it go. He's a good guy. Well, I want to do one of our Silver Series episodes today. It's from April of 2019. It's the second part of a episode I did, and it was about an old hotel in my little hometown and an encounter I had with the town marshal there in town. So let's get this started and see if we can do all this in our time limit. I probably won't be back. I'll just let this one finish itself up. I hope you enjoy this. Talk with you next week. My hometown when I was a boy, had two hotels there. There were older hotels, and they weren't like the motels that had sprung up around town and right outside of town. And there was one of the hotels that was next door to my grandpa's pool hall. In fact, it took up a big part of the block, and it was situated between my grandpa's pool hall and my uncle's barber shop. One of the hotels was named after the town, and one of the hotels was named after the county I lived in. And one of them, when I was young, I can remember it being open. And you'd walk by, and you could see old men sitting in there reading a newspaper. There's also a little restaurant attached to it. And I was never allowed to go in there, so it was pretty much a mystery to me. As I got a little older, though, the place closed down, and you could still see the shades were open to the restaurant, and when you walked by, you could tell it was a little coffee shop-type restaurant. But the hotel part was curtains were drawn and doors were closed, and it was just empty. When I became about a sophomore in high school, I believe, a friend of mine named Richard told my friend Wayne and I, Wayne being my best buddy all through school, about he knew a way to get into that old hotel. And we could goof around in there and explore. And it was spooky and it was exciting. And so he talked us into going. I don't think it took much talking. We're all for going in, getting spooked, and being excited. So we went into the alley behind the hotel, and he lifted a window, and we crawled in. And Richard said, now, this is a scary place. We need to get some protection. 
So we had crawled in. Where we crawled in was like the kitchen area. Must have been for that little coffee shop. And so we took knives and big forks and meat cleavers and whatever, and one in each hand and one exploring, and it was amazing. Walk from the kitchen into the lobby area, and everything was just there. The chairs that I remember, the little old men sitting in, reading their newspapers. It was dark and quiet, and we went upstairs to where the rooms were, and the one thing I really remember were there dead birds laying in the hallway. I have no idea how they got in, how they died. It looked like they were just hopping along and just fell over dead. Went into one of the rooms that faced the street. The shades were shut, but you could tell that the light was coming in the room. And, and it was really like the twilight zone. Well, a couple days later, we decided to go back again. So we went into the alley, crawled through the back window of the kitchen, got ourselves some protection, some knives and whatever, and explored some more. And it was just the greatest thing. And we started making plans. We could make a clubhouse of this. So I'm sure I wasn't 16 yet because we were on foot everywhere we went. And I think a 16-year-old wouldn't want to be making a clubhouse. He'd probably want something else. But we're naive enough and just a little crazy enough and 15-year-old enough. We went to school, and I remember telling a couple of the, of the girls about it and telling them we were going to make a clubhouse, and they want to join, and told them how we got in. and So I'm sure more than just a few kids knew about it couple of days later, we're going to go back in, start cleaning the place up, getting it ready for a clubhouse. Man, we might just take it over. I mean, they were just sitting there, crawled in the window, got our knives and meat cleavers and big forks. We were loaded for bear. We walked into the lobby, and the lobby was dark, and all the chairs were there. And we were whispering. Because that's what we did in there. We whispered. And all of a sudden, a big figure came out from behind the chair. And we all screamed and threw our knives and our meat cleavers and our big forks up in the air. And we ran out and we got out that window lickety split. And we all went home. We went home as fast as we could. Whatever monster was there didn't kill us. It was a close call. I was shaken. I was shaken. We started laughing. We were so nervous how we got away and we're never going to go back. So that evening, I remember my grandparents from New Mexico were there. They only visit us once a year at the very most. And so we were getting ready for dinner, and all of a sudden, Richard showed up at my door. He said, come outside, i got to talk to you. Went outside, and he proceeded to tell me that big monster had found him. And it was Vern, the town marshal. He had been laying in wait 
to catch us. Someone had called him and told us that some boys were crawling through that back window into that old hotel. Somehow he figured out Richard, and I don't know if Richard ratted us off or if Vern knew all three of us, and he was just making his rounds. He must have been at Wayne's house when Richard came and warned me, and my life was over. My life as I knew it was over. I might as well join the gypsies or run away to the circus because my life as I knew it was over. I am in the biggest trouble I've been in in my life. And to top it off, my grandma and grandpa are here. I'll disappoint everybody. I'll probably be disowned. It was a good life. I really liked it there at home. And now what am I going to do? Well, I couldn't eat my dinner, and I paced back and forth watching out the window and watching out the window and pacing and watching and watching and pacing. And my mom kept saying, what's wrong, Jim? And I said, nothing's wrong, nothing's wrong. And I paced and I watched, and the time drug on, and I wasn't enjoying my grandparents. And then all of a sudden... Vern pulled into the driveway. I don't know if I was ever so nervous in my life. Well, he came to the door and I went back to my room thinking maybe, maybe, just maybe, it's something unrelated. A few minutes, there's a knock on my door and I had to go out and explain to Vern what was going on. I remember looking at my grandparents and they just were looking at me. They weren't shaking their head. They weren't smiling. They were just looking. I was guilty as charged, and I agreed with Overn that I had done a bad thing. Well, we caused no damage in the place, and I'm not sure Vern even knew who to contact who owned the place. It had sat empty for a very long time. And I can't remember the punishment I had, and I know I got to still goof around with Richard and Wayne. A couple years later, they tore that old hotel down and built a very nice ladies' dress shop there. And all of the memories and all the old men sitting there reading their newspaper. And all the times I went by looking in the window of that restaurant, cafe. And all of the history of that old hotel were demolished and went away forever. I'm glad that we didn't tear anything up and that we didn't stab Vern when he came out from that chair. I'm glad that we were just some stupid little 15-year-old boys wanting to do a clubhouse and threw our weapons in the air and ran like a bunch of banshees. Run away, run away, run away. I'm glad I could tell this story because it was pretty exciting. I still don't know how the birds got in there. Forgiveness is a wonderful thing. My parents had to forgive me over and over and over and over and over again. I'd pull some stunts that, looking back, I can't even believe it. A lot of times I wasn't even meaning to. It just was happening. I'm glad I outgrew most of that. If you have unforgiveness towards somebody, especially a family member, Remember that that's only hurting you. It's only keeping you from living a more fulfilled life. Somewhere in your heart, find how to deal with it. 
put it in your rear view mirror, you'll be glad you did. Kindness is a great thing. I'll be back next week. Peace out.